Hey everybody, it's your pal Mike Shea from SlyFlourish.com here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. This is a weekly show shot 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Times on Twitch in which I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running a homebrew campaign set in Eberron called Eberron the Second Morning. This show, like all of the material from Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. You too can become a patron of Sly Flourish by going to patreon.com slash slyflourish and signing up. Uh, patron, patrons of Sly Flourish get many benefits, including access to an exclusive Discord channel. They get access to a bunch of new material that I'm working on, uh, and some of it's already out. So an exclusive adventure called Regnum Rattus, The Rats in the Cellar, a uh, set of adventure generators. These are uh, DM inspired, these are tools to help inspire DMs to generate adventures built around particular adventure themes like Seven Samurai or Heart of Darkness, things like that. And uh, the next thing is that patrons are going to get very soon, and if you're in the patron Discord channel, you can get sneak previews of this, uh, access to Sly Flourish's, what, what are we calling it? What do we come to? Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets. So Sly Flourish's Uncovered Secrets are single page, well formatted rule supplements. Think about them kind of like Unearthed Arcana sort of articles uh, that are intended to sit alongside the Lazy DM workbook and on alongside your DMG to help make certain parts of running D&D easier. The first one that I did was on running hordes. If you wanna know generally how that works, you can see the article on slyflourish.com, but the uh, one page uh, uncovered secret is a single page that gets right into the meat of uh, easier ways to run lots and lots of monsters. So I'm probably gonna do about one of those a month uh, and they are uh, going to cover a wide range of different ways to make our D&D games easier. Many of which will be, if you're familiar with uh, other areas that I've been focusing on, uh, such as uh, easier encounter building, um, uh, zone-based combat, and things like that. They're all going to be like one page that, that, that sit easily among your other, your, both of the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Lazy DM Workbook. So that's coming up. So today, we are uh, continuing to talk about my Eberron Second Morning game. And right now, speaking of Seven Samurai, the, uh, uh, the adventure that they've been having, they went down into Kyber in order to make their way to the city of Arldusk uh, on their way to Esten, the, the ruined city of Esten. Uh, and part of the problem I currently have is that in, both of my groups are heading this way. Luckily, because that means my prep can serve double duty. Both of them aren't exactly sure why they're going there or what they need to do there. And worse, I'm not really sure why they're going there or what they plan to do there. So part of what I need to work on is that I have some ideas and I have some like cool ad adventure sort of things, but it's a little tricky right now. Um, and this is where I feel like not having a published adventure hurts me because I have to make everything up. I don't have any, I have like a general idea about where they're going in the end, but I don't really know like what are the steps that are getting them there. Now in fairness, like I was just spending yesterday, Saturday was sort of a day off for me. And uh, I spend my day off doing D&D stuff, which isn't really much different than how I spend my other days. Um, however, in this case, I was looking at Descent into Avernus, and I'm looking at Chapter 3. And I'm going to do a whole video about uh, running Chapter 3 of Descent into Avernus once I've finished running it. And um, Chapter 3 of Descent into Avernus has these, like, sort of quest lines, like the Path of the Demons and the Path of the Dragons. Path of the Demons, sorry. Path of the Demons, Path of the Devils. But I wasn't really crazy about those, and a lot of people aren't really crazy about them. So I wanted to make up my own paths, which means I kind of had to outline like the step-by-step -step processes anyway, and I ended up doing like a crazy, you know, crazy diagram of of, of how all that was going to work. So um, all of that uh, exists both when I'm running the published adventure Descent in Avernus and my own home campaign of like what are the steps that it takes, where are they going, what are the things that they're going to hit in the meantime. All these are are questions that I that I have to figure out. So anyway, I know they're heading there. Uh, and I know what the next steps are for my Sunday group because they're, they, so when they went down into Kyber, they met some goblins. The goblins said, hey, we've got bugbear marauders who are trying to steal our precious dragon egg. And the dragon egg is a, uh, is going to hatch very soon. They, the, the marauders want to get it to stick it in their menagerie. The goblins want it uh, because whenever there's a red dragon that lives in the lair, it makes their city very prosperous. So, um... The character said, sure, we'll take care of your bugbear problem, and then decided, do we want to take it to the bugbears, or are we going to wait for the bugbears to attack the town and defend the town? And they decided, let's take it to the bugbears. We know that there's a goblin spy that's working for the bugbears here. So let's, um, uh, let's get there before the spy gives them information that we've been hired and that we're coming. So they, uh, in the last game, they went there. Uh, they 
we're at the front door of the menagerie, which is an old Dakani ruin. Everything is a Dakani ruin. I need I need other kinds of ruins. But they found an old Dakani ruin that's being used as the menagerie by the bugbears. They saw the bugbear chieftain flying around on a wyvern, and they actually gave him some serious hits. Like they 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 decided let's let's hit him. So they hit him, and they had like knocked him out of the saddle with a with push attacks, and he was like hanging from his feet, and finally he got away. Uh, and he never really made any kind of big attack on them. And now he knows they're coming, right? And they said, okay, well, we're not going to go through the front door. Uh, we're going to, let's see, why not vary up the ruins uh, based on the catch in EXE? I don't know what that is. Uh, is that Exploring Eberron? What are the caches? I don't know what the caches are. So um, they went down into uh, an underground river. And down in the underground river, they met some Dolgrims. And they uh, they fought some stuff. Oh, and I have a major problem with the way that I run my little dungeon. So uh, one of the interesting things that I tried to do is I said, you know, I'm going to pick a map. And I did. Uh, why don't we go over to Notion and I can actually show this stuff. Uh, so we are over here in Notion. And we will go to Locations. And we will go to Bugbear Menagerie. So uh, as you see, uh, I, I picked a like underground rivery sort of the Keshes are the awake uh, the surviving Dakani clans Kesh Valar. Oh yeah, what do they call them? The, the, there's a name for them the the, the children of Dakan or something like that. Um, yes, I still like Notion. Um, so uh, I have this like underground river. Can I open this? There we go. So I have this underground river and I was like, okay, well, I know that there's things they're going to find when they go through here. So, but instead of like associating them with one room or another, uh, why don't I just list out things they could find and then I'll play it by ear. Well, guess what? That, that doesn't work when they cast, uh, what's the arcane eye and they send an arcane eye and say, we're going to explore the whole dungeon before we go through it. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, now in like five minutes, I have to describe every one of the chambers that they have in here. And I have to do it on the fly. And it was actually not great because I had to like add number room numbers to each of these. So I could say like over in this left room is this thing and over in this right room. And and so that was kind of a mess, right? And that's something I now have to be aware of, that they have a way to explore an entire dungeon, uh, you know, very quickly. And of course, like the same is true if you have a druid who can um, shapeshift into a small creature and, and scout out. So the question is like, I guess when you're building a dungeon, we have to go through a little bit more work to associate locations with places. Um, and it was also hard for me to uh, describe it because like I don't number my maps and yet I had to number it on the fly and that wasn't ideal. So um, yeah, so I don't know, like, uh, you know, my, my, my typical lazy approach failed because if they're able to explore an entire dungeon very quickly, um, you, you know, I need to be able to describe it to them very quickly. And I wasn't because I didn't have a numbered map and I didn't yet associate things with various rooms. So there's a pretty easy way to number something. And that's like, you can drop it into Google, uh, Google presentations, Google. Yeah, I think it's called Google presentations. Treat it like a background of a PowerPoint slide, put numbers on a PowerPoint, screenshot it and you're done, right? So it doesn't take but a few minutes to add numbers to things. Um, and maybe people in chat have a faster way. I need like the easiest way to take a map like this and drop numbers on them. Uh, ideally without needing any special software on the client. Like I have, if I was doing it for realsies, uh, my Mac upstairs, which is my, my primary machine, not my streaming machine, um, I have uh, Pixelmator and Pixelmator is very easy for me to drop numbers on stuff. I do it all the time for like my lazy layers and stuff like that. Um, and it's unfortunate, I guess that, that Dyson puts maps out, but he doesn't key them. So uh, toss right out says copy and paste in the paint, write the numbers on it, then export it or just take a screenshot clip of it. Yeah, probably, I suppose that uh, paint, Microsoft paint could probably work. Um, so I'll have to try that sometime. So anyway, they managed to get through the whole dungeon. Uh, they, they went up a secret stairwell that led into um, the Bugbear Menagerie. Somebody reminded me, hey, have you figured out that this map that you created is actually the Millennium Falcon? And I was like, oh, you bastard. Like, yeah, it is the Millennium Falcon, isn't it? Um, but whatever, too late now, and it's cool, right? It works, but yeah, that's the Millennium Falcon. You know, sure as, sure as, sure as rain. Um, so, um, 
Yeah, I guess if you're in Roll20, you can add some numbers in the DM, GM layer. Yeah, that's true. I don't use Roll20, though, and just getting it into Roll20 would probably be a little bit of a hassle for me. So uh, they made their way sort of up the ruins. They saw these old statues. Um, they made their way up these stairs. They opened up that first door. Uh, they saw that there's these old, like, Dakani statues of heroes in the alcoves, and then a couple of bugbears walked up, and that is where the game uh, began. So now uh, the nice thing, or that's where the game ended last session. So that's good for this session because uh, it will be easy to know where the game is going to start. So uh, what we need to do now, we go back to our Eberron second morning game. Uh, we go to our session planning template, we click duplicate, make a copy, drag that up to the top. So I've got a nice one at the top. Go in here and rename this to 30 August. 2020, Sunday, Eberron. And we are set there. And in step one is review the characters. So we will go to our Sunday characters. I don't know who's coming today. We're going to find out. Uh, but Zarentir is back. So I was worried that Zarentir wasn't, that the, the player Pat uh, had been out for a few weeks and he was off doing stuff, but he's back. And so he was back in our next game. And of course, this gets into that trick of like, what do you do with somebody who's been gone three weeks? And the last time you saw him, he was on an airship that was exploding. And now you're deep underground. Like, how did he show up? And I just had him walk through a portal. Like, he found a crazy-ass portal. He walked through the portal. He ended up right next to his characters. And I think the, even in story, it's Lack brought him. I think Lack, knew, Lack knows how to open the portals up, right? And he, there's these ancient portals. And he can, he, I don't know, it, they, uh, Lack is able to open up the portals and uh, connect, you know, connect them together. So um, I think Lack is the one who brought them together and they don't even know that yet, but that might be a, see, there's a secret. Let's drop that into secrets. Uh, so actually what we're going to do is open up the Sunday characters in another, oh, I can't do that. Uh, there are characters. And here we will go to here and secrets and clues and Lack. And of course we can connect our pages together. Uh, Lack uh, was the one who brought Zarentir Delander back through the ancient. They weren't Dakani. They were more portals. They were dwarven portals. Uh, Lack was the one who brought Zarentir Delander through the ancient more portal. Um, so that is a that is a secret. So anyway, Zarentir, that's that's see you got it. You know this is why it's useful to start with the characters. Is your secrets if you can generate like your secrets and stuff from uh, the characters, um, you know it's good. You're tying your game a lot tighter to the characters. This is really why step one of return this the, of the eight steps is review the characters is that they are the most important thing in the game. We were just talking before the show about uh, how Dwarven Forge uh, is really cool and awesome. Um, but the reality is if you want to make your game better, focus it more on the characters. Like that's free, costs you nothing, and uh, will make your game more enjoyable for uh, pretty much everyone involved. So, um, you know, so Zarentir Delander is uh, a, a newly formed airship captain, right? And um, Tempest Storm Cleric, Mark of the Storm, stole his father's airship. His airship blew up, but maybe he has another one. Um, and uh, I don't know. I kind of want to give him the, the gold right back, but I don't know how I don't know how that will work. Maybe uh, maybe their patron will send it. I don't know. Um, so uh, uh, yeah, so that's Aaron Tier. Uh, Saber is a um, uh, shifter monk of the four winds. Uh, tied in the four winds and can access. And I don't, I think I've made this a secret before, uh, but um, uh, Saber can access a, um, what is it? Like a, like a, like a small rift. It's not a, like a small, a tiny, um, a tiny area of Dalcor shared with other monks of the four winds. Um, uh, so that, so Saber is our um, monk or yeah, so he's a monk and he's a bounty hunter. Uh, Shift 
is a uh, um, one of the first Warforged built from human stock, has a heart made out of Kyber, and has her brother uh, Crash uh, residing in her head on a chip that she has implanted. So she has like a, a side character uh, that's there. And uh, Crash has been largely silent recently, but maybe it'd be kind of fun to bring Crash in uh, on occasion. Shane Husk is a uh, hobgoblin heir of the, not the Dakani, but the other goblin tribe out of, um, uh, out of the other nation in the Southeast. Uh, I forget who they are, uh, but he has a lineage that goes back to there. And he is also an acclaimed novelist uh, who wrote about the last war and has written other novels. Uh, Banner is a Warforged uh, follower of pal Warforged Paladin follower of the Becoming God, uh, the Margul. I think that that sounds right. Margul, yeah, the Margul uh, Goblin tribes. Um, so uh, I see that people are asking what what software I use. If somebody in chat can uh, talk about the software and link to the, uh, I'll, I'll do it because I forgot. Uh, we'll do it right now. Sly, flourish, notion. There we go. All you need is to click that link. And so uh, people come into the chat and they are, they don't see that link. So if other people would relink it, that would be great. Um, so that is, uh, and then Arwen Chi Sizu is a uh, member of House Civis and I should get Nightbot and add some command. I really should. Yeah, I don't know how to do all that, but I'll, I'll, I'll look into the, adding some bots to the Twitch chat. It's a very good idea. Um, and it can, can periodically, anytime anybody says what software it'll go, we think you're looking for Notion. But who needs a bot when I have Evil John? That's it. Love you, Evil John. Uh, Arwen Chisizu is a um, uh, member of House Civis, Artificer, and uh, has the dodecahedron that uh, can lead the characters to Claw Rift. Uh, so very cool stuff there. Um, so those are the characters. So we've now reviewed the characters and we can go big and happy. Strong start, uh, two bugbears in the hall. Nice, easy way to go. Um, I learned a trick here. Uh, if you go into this and... Uh, I think you can go into Notion and highlight and then just link it. And now you've got a link and you can go to bugbears, bugbear. Kind of handy. Uh, I mean, not shouldn't be as a surprise that I can link something in Notion, just not something I often do. Uh, so that's a good one. I just went to get more coffee. Boy, yeah, I need coffee. I didn't get any coffee. I'm sad. It's 1030 and I don't have any coffee. Um, luckily, I drink decaf, so it doesn't affect me too much if I don't have coffee. Uh, so the scenes really are, and we're going to go big, broad brushes here, right? Uh, encounter with bugbears. Um, what was his name? Kron. Kron's menagerie. Return to the goblin. Return to fire. Uh, what's it called? Fire spur. And then the portal. To, and we're not going to send them to, um, uh, we're not going to send them straight to uh, Arl Dusk. We're going to send them to, let's go to our maps. Uh, Uh, we're going to send them. So Arl Dusk is where they want to go. I think we're going to send them to Arith. Uh, so we can send them to either Aguar Keep or uh, Atheron Keep in the Thornwood. And then they can sort of make their way up. I think that would be cool. Uh, and then we'll make, like, there's a little bit about what these keeps are like, but I think it's more fun if they're sort of abandoned keeps left during the war and we can we can add some kind of fun stuff there. So Arathon Keep is the name of the portal we're gonna go to. And now we need it, is that, did I spell that right? A-R-Y-T-H-A-W-N. So now we need an Arathon Keep location. So we'll, I don't know if anybody knows how to create a page. Uh, 
Uh, Arathon has some House Madani folk. Uh, interesting. I'll have to I'll have to look into that. But for the time being, I might change. I, you know, it depends if I like. Do I want a cool haunted keep or something like that? You know, maybe there's other things I can do there. Type slash page. Yeah, the problem is I need it to be a. It's not a. Um, I need it to be a database entry in another database. Um, uh, it won't link to your database, right? So basically, that's 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 a problem. So I can go here and I can go to uh, second morning, and go to locations, and we will do things right off the edge of the page. Click new, and we have Arathon keep. Uh, and uh, we're just going to put that placeholder page in there for the time being. We don't have to fill it out yet. Um, I think you have to do it within in the main database. Yeah, link one page, right? Yeah, yeah. I could create other pages. I thought about: Do I really need a database, or am I better off just having sub pages in every one of these places? Just a bunch of location sub pages. The only problem with that is you can't really do this kind of cool gallery view. I don't think. I don't think you can do a gallery view of pages. So, uh, and you can't tag pages. If you could tag pages, which it kind of doesn't make any sense that you can't tag pages, but whatever, you know, I guess like to me, the difference between a, a database entry and a page are so thin. I don't know why one isn't the other. It's a little weird, but who knows? Like, I think it'd be really hard for them to, to you know, fix that. So in the meantime, we'll stick with what we got. So now we have an Arathon keep, but now we can, we can link to it. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, and I don't think I need to worry too much about our thunky. We'll see what kind of time we've got. Uh, so those are the scenes. I got my strong start. I got my scenes. So now we need some secrets and clues. Uh, and one of them will be the goblins know about a, uh, it's probably, is it a, is it a, what kind of portal is it? So there could be three different kinds of portals, right? I mean, it can be many, it can be infinite, but, uh, I think um uh i think that um we could have a daleker portal i think a daleker portal might be cooler right and then they yeah so so you could have a daleker portal a more portal dwarven portal or a dakani portal and i think we're gonna go with a, a daleker I, have, I don't know how to spell Daleker. Uh, thank you, Evil John. Daleker. I don't know how to pronounce it either. Uh, so there was an area that the goblin said, don't go over there. It's very bad. You don't want to go over there. And um, so they didn't. But I think that that area might be where the goblins know about a Daleker portal that can lead to the north uh, and leads, you know, it will it will take them far to the north, but at what terrible, terrible cost? And what's guarding it is a question. Um, the There's a portal guardian, some kind of Daleker monster. So Dalekers are all about aberrants. So it could be a beholder. Um, that would be really terrible. Um, it could be an, the undead beholder. Uh, I don't think it will be actually one of the Daleker. It could be a Balhaneth. I think Balhaneths are pretty awesome. Let's take a look at those. Yeah, that's pretty close. Look at these nasty things. Challenge rating 11. Oh, Oh, they're legendary. Ooh. Not a lot of hit points, though. Only two legendary resistance. Uh, Multi-attack. Balhanath makes a bite attack up to two tentacle attacks or makes four tentacle attacks. Tentacles range 10 feet, 10 points of bludgeoning. Target is grappled and restrained. Bite is 25 points of damage. Uh, it can teleport along with any equipment carrying or creatures to an occupied space within 60 feet. Vanish. Magically becomes invisible for up to 10 minutes. Or until immediately after makes its attack roll, makes an attack roll. Um, whoa. Yeah, that looks cool. 
I'm good with that. A guardian link. Uh, and we'll add that down to monsters, right? I'll put that down here. Um. Oh, let me look at the regional effects. Good question. I didn't look at it. Layer actions. Uh, warps reality in an area up to 500 feet square. And terrain and reshapes and assume the appearance of a location stop by one of the intelligent creatures. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah, so we could randomly pick a target and be like, hey, this is a great place. Um, very cool. Yeah, these are all these are all great. So I'll pick a I'll pick a, a player at random and I'll have them describe their happy place, and then say like you turn around the corner and there's your happy place, you know, and everything's great. Uh, yeah. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. Oh, good times. Okay, that'll be a cool. That'll be a cool bit. Um, maybe they sort of have to travel through the Balhanath. Maybe the Balhanath is the portal, right? Ooh, even better. Like, it isn't a gate. The Balhanath can twist reality between two places. And it's sort of real. So they can travel, but they're traveling through. Um, yeah, 114 hit points. Hit point, Schmidt point. You know, what's its maximum hit points? Uh, 120 plus 48. So 168. That would be the top. Yeah, it may be higher than that. That's okay. Um. So I'm not too worried about that. But that idea of like the Balhanath is the portal, right? It's a living portal. And you, you know, you it, you, it will kind of twist people's minds and like they're walking through their place and maybe they see a loved one and the loved ones grabs them and I don't know, tentacles. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. But I think, I think that that can, uh, I think that can work. So I think we're good there. Uh, what else? Um, I need more secrets. So the, the Dalekar portal is a Balhanath is alive and is a Balhanath. Um, that could be kind of cool. And the goblins know about it, right? They're like, it's a portal, but it's a bad portal. You know, careful. Uh, it's like the Thinny from the Dark Tower, man. We're all about Dark Tower these days um that's not bad yeah although the thinny just killed people it wasn't a portal but was it did they ever step through a thinny i don't think so um so Balhanath, uh any other so uh who's the spy uh uh the goblin spy is the son of the elder who believes um they are trapping the dragon just as much as krang and also believes the goblins are are, are tied are tied uh goblins um are uh tied to their town and need to move on So he's, he thinks like we can't just stay here for all our lives and we're basically feeding off of this dragon, right? You know, we were, and, and we are enslaving that dragon as much as, you know, we are slaves to it and it needs to be, that, that bound needs to be broken and this could be a way. And there's no way Krang will control a red dragon. Krang is an idiot and the dragon will get smart <laughs> and then, you know, we'll care for it and feed it. And then the dragon, when it needs to, will break away because they're dragons. So that, you know, I always like to have even the, like, the bad guys have good reasons to do what they're doing. Um, Krang believes the dragon will be his best mount. And one day he will ride as a dragon rider. He's not the smartest you know, he'll be dead long before that dragon even becomes a young dragon. Um, any other goblin, you know, secrets of the goblins? Uh, yeah, Krang's uh, right hand thinks he's uh, an idiot 
and at once take over the Black Claw tribe. <laughs> Shiny and Chrome. Um, so we've got that. Uh, what other fun bits do we have? Any other kind of secrets among the hobgoblins? So they're on alert. That's something to keep in mind. Um, and we'll just stick it up in scenes here. They're on alert because they saw the attack from outside. So it could be that, oh, Krang uh, sent a bunch of bugbears out to hunt, out to hunt for the attackers, including his right hand, the Devastator. So the, the the party's ruse of attacking him and then sneaking in through the lower uh, the lower reaches worked um, because Krang then sent out you know he and his pet are recovering uh, while uh, his hobgoblin war mage and a bunch of bugbears and goblin scouts uh, went out hunting for. Um, uh, went out hunting for uh, the attackers. And they're gonna be on their way back about the time the characters have dealt with everything else. Uh, any other secrets? Secrets are important. They're a big piece of this. Um, anything about, oh, so I, okay. Let's answer the question about why the hell are they going to Arl Dusk? So they know that Lido Skull was uh, trying to so they know Leto Skull was heading to Arl Dusk to meet with a agent, um, uh, to meet with an agent uh, of the Orem named um, Imperi de Falarn. And Imperi knows that the only way to that there's only a, you know there's only a few ways to find the um, center. Uh, to find the location of the glass plateau, which is where methyl, methyl is and where uh, the weapon can be made. Um, but probably the daughters of Sorakal also have a way. So the daughters know how to reach Metrol and Making, sorry. Not Metro. Ah. Uh, the daughters of Zircon know how to reach making in the glass plateau. Um, Imperi was hired by Vito to find the way to reach making. It's making that's on the glass plateau, not Metro. That's, yeah, sorry, right, it's making. Um, so they're going there to meet Imperi. Imperi was hired by Leto Skull to find access. She did, and she knows that there is actually, um, that yeah, she went into the city of Eston. She's probably in Eston now. Uh, and so the tr a tricky bit is I want them, well, I guess I can move. Yeah, so, you know, I sometimes I hang on to, to stuff a little too tight. And I've been wanting... Oh, this is this works perfectly. So I love the idea of uh, Metro, right? The city of Metro. Um, it just looks cool, right? And it was it was a the capital of Sire now destroyed, and it's got all these big towers and stuff and dead, huge dead um, uh, things. But I can basically take a lot of what's going on in Metro and move it to Eston, since they're headed to Eston anyway. Right. 
And the question is, where is Karshak? You know, but instead of Esten being, uh, I can basically move the cool bits of Metrol and move them to Esten because that's where the characters are going. Because it seems stupid to make them go all the way from uh, Esten to Metrol just because that's the way it is in the book, right? We, we, we change the world how we want it to be. And flipping Esten and Metrol is perfectly acceptable. The alternative is I could have a gateway that goes from Esten to Metrol. They step through another gateway and they end up on the other side of the morning and then they go to Karshak and then Karshak runs them to making in the glass plateau and then they get to Claw Rift and then we have our conclusion. But on the other hand, I could just have the the, the rail, uh, you know, that, that uh, Karshak could be um, uh, Karshak, the lightning rail, the, the insane lightning rail, the evil lightning rail. Uh, could leave from Esten instead of Metrol. I think that makes more sense, right? What do you What do you guys in chat think? Like, isn't it? There's no reason that Esten Esten is basically the the that was the capital of House uh, Karnath. Karnath, right? Did I have that right? Kenneth, uh, House Kenneth is in Esten, and. Uh, uh, oh, so here's a secret I can add. Things are coming together in my head. It makes more sense. Like I was always like, oh, I'm messed in a metro and I'm a pain in the ass. But then I wouldn't do it. Uh, but talk about another secret. Uh, shift and crash were built in Eston. So this is familiar territory. They'll go there and like, oh my God, we've been here before. Um, so I think that that can work. Uh, distance between city and location Eberron are really far presents a little bit of a challenge for me. Yeah, well, yeah, but portals and lightning rails and airships can make that distance uh, a little closer. Uh, so locations, we have Menagerie, we have uh, Fire Spur, uh, we have uh, Arl, uh, Arathorn Keep, which I just put in there. And we have Arl Desk. Hmm. I thought I made an Arl Desk one. I guess I haven't made one yet. Um, I thought I had some other locations here that I put in for my other one. Uh, yeah, Arl A-U-R, that's why I always get it wrong. Arl Dusk. Um, and Esten. So, okay. That seems good. So I got my locations. Uh, I've got secrets and clues. I've got my scenes. Uh, NPCs. We have Krang. Do I have a thing him? No, I, I never made a thing for him. So uh, he is a hill giant. He skinned hill giant. Uh, oh, no, I made a frost giant. We talked about this last time. Crying is big, tough dude. Whoops. That's weird. Oh, so here's a little trick. I don't need to uh, click the link thing. I can paste a link, and it knows to make that a hyperlink. If you have a link, then that's cool. So we have, so how many bugbears do we say? 30 bugbears, right? But a bunch of them are out. Uh, so you watch, I go that, bang, linked. Um, every time I say Krang, uh, you think of Ninja Turtles. Yep. Uh, we have six goblin spies. 
spy. I love the spy stat block. It's a good one. Uh, six goblin spies. Uh, we have an owlbear. We have a wyvern. Uh, we have a, uh, if I recall, we had a trapped um, quaddle. Spell quaddle. Whoops. So we have an owlbear. I don't really need to link these, but it doesn't hurt. Uh, a wyvern. Uh, we have a. Yeah, I do know how to spell quaddle. The quaddle is uh, wearing a uh, like a reverse of a headband of intellect, right? Oh, it's feeble-minded, right? Uh, uh, Balhaneth. Uh, what other kind of cool things does he have in the menagerie? Didn't we say a, uh, we already did a? Did we do a chimera? I've done chimeras before. They got attacked by chimeras that were uh, illusions before. So I don't think we're, I don't know if we're gonna do another chimera. Um, um, what, other, what other kind of cool creatures? Um, could, would Krang have in his menagerie? Uh, or is that good enough? I don't know. That's probably good for now. I don't think we'll worry about that too much. Is there enough creatures in here to really like when you're fighting him? Uh, it's enough. Maybe he has a, oh, we're gonna have death dogs, I think. They already face death dogs. They've seen death dogs before. Uh, thank you, Merc90. Um, oh, what's, uh, let's see here, hang on a second. Why don't we take a look at good old Lazy DM's workbook? Uh, Sly Flourish's Lazy DM workbook. And we can, uh, so one of the things I have in here that I dig, that I use a lot, is uh, dungeon. I have monsters by dungeon level uh, to, that kind of mimics how they did it in the original Dungeon Master's Guide from a million years ago. And um, in this case, they're, they're kind of broken out by challenge level, which is nice. And you can sort of look through and say, okay, we have CR5 creatures. We have hellhounds, giant scorpions. Did they face giant scorpions? I thought they did. Yeah, I think they did. Uh, Manticore, um, nightmares, owlbears, face spiders. They've faced some face spiders. Winter wolf, black pudding, chul, quaddle, etten ghosts, lamia, succubus, werebore, bullet. Bullet would be kind of interesting. Hard to trap a bullet though. They faced a giant crocodile. Gorgon they faced. Atiag, Roper, Shambling Mountain Troll. It's just down here. Now I'm in the big the big dogs. Uh, uh, yeah, nothing's really jumping out at me. I, I might have a, a couple of bugbears. So we'll, we won't just have one bugbear or owlbears. We'll have um, three owlbears. Right, because owl bears are challenge three, yeah. So we'll have like three owl bears. Um, and maybe he has a whistle that he uses to command the owl bears. Oh, they, uh, yes, they saw the displacer croc. Last week we talked about a displacer beast crocodile, a giant, giant displacer crocodile. And they saw it and it freaked them out. And they like, 
hurled bodies from these other guys that they killed to get it to go away and then leapt over this other thing. It was very, it, it worked more as a environmental challenge than as a monster, which is really kind of how D&D works, right? Like it, it, we love to bound, pardon, okay, prepare for a, for an official Sly Flourish rant. Um, we, a lot of times we like to bound, bound things in, in our, in our D&D games. We like to think about, you know, you have your, three different encounter types, role-playing, exploration, combat. You have traps and puzzles and um, environmental effects and hazards, you know, and, uh, and, you know, but the reality is like all that bleeds together. And I think it actually, you have, you know, skill challenges versus, you know, whatever. And I, I think, you know, we don't need it. We never had that stuff a long time ago. And I don't think we really need it. And I think the games are more fluid and fun when we don't think about worrying about what category things fit into. So, and this is where like theater of the mind, right? Like when does combat begin and combat end? And yeah, initiative is a big, a big giveaway, but you can do initiative and other things. I've done initiative whenever, whenever you need to like break things down into six second increments, initiative is a good way to do it. Um, but it's fine if they can figure out how to get away from the crocodile. It's not a combat then. They didn't actually fight the crocodile. It was there and it had given him what for. And at one time, like a guy fell in the water, right? He rolled a bad check and he fell in the water and all of a sudden he looks and there's this enormous thing. And he's like, I don't know where it is, but I see it, you know, I can see it moving around. And, um, so it became more of an environmental hazard than an enemy, but that was perfectly fine. Like it was, the pacing worked well for that. I wanted them to get away from the crocodile because they just fought a bunch of stuff. So there's times where like fighting in combat is good, but then other times like our avoidance is better. And um, and, it, and so, you know, we, we, we don't have to think about it. It's one of the, you know, so the uh, there's a very popular idea called the five room dungeon uh, invented by a very, very cool guy named John Four. And um, I love that idea of like what, what, you know, the five room dungeon, except that the five room dungeon assumes types of rooms that you're going to have your role play encounter and your combat encounter and your exploration encounter and another combat, you know, and I think that it's better to just, that's why I believe in situational environments. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. They're going to face those two bugbears. They might talk them down, right? They're probably going to fight Krang. I don't think they're getting away from fighting Krang, but a lot of it can be done in different ways, and I don't know how they're going to do it. So I've set up the situation. There are 30 bugbears. They've split up. Oh, I forgot about the, the right hand, the Devastator. They've run off with the Devastator. Not like an elopement or anything, but... Um... Uh, they ran off with the Devastator to go hunt for whoever these invaders were. Uh, they're on their way back. But when they come back, maybe it's a battle and maybe it's not. I don't know how it's going to play out. I do know one thing, which is I really want to get out of this. Like, boy, I didn't expect this Seven Samurai thing to take three sessions. Uh, but it looks like it's taking three se three sessions. Uh, RSR70 says, what if the Quaddle, uh, what's the Quaddle's disposition of Freed? Uh, it'll be very, be it'll be very happy with the characters and we'll certainly help them out if it can. Yeah, almost certainly. Um, so, uh, yeah. So my rant is like, we, we need not worry so much about the type of encounters we're running. Uh, we, instead we focus on the situations and we, we keep a loose view. We keep it, we, we expand our, our aperture to, you know, like I just list the monsters out here, right? I don't say like how many are in what rooms we'll, we'll figure that out right now. If they send another arcane eye and I got to figure it out, well then I'll figure it out at the time I, I survived last game. I'll do it this game too. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, I guess that's my rant, right? Take loosen the grip, right? Just relax, relax a little bit. Don't worry about defining counter types or you know, running combat encounters and different things. Build the situation out, uh, you know, figure out what makes sense for the area, drop the players in there and see how they deal with it and then react and then keep pacing in mind. But the, the thing about pacing, and I wrote an article on Sly Flourish uh, about pacing, I think last week, right? Last week's article is pacing. Yeah. Improving pacing. And the key to pacing is that it doesn't happen in prep. You, you, pr and then maybe I didn't even, I probably didn't hit on this in the article, which is unfortunate. Maybe I need to edit it again. Um, which is the cool thing about the web. I'll just come back and edit it again. A key to pacing is that when you're doing your prep, you're prepping so that you can change your pace, you know, that you can change up the pace depending on what you need. And because you're not going to know what you need until you're actually running. And you can see our players getting bored because they're just, it's a slog. 
or they're having too easy a time or you know are they are you know you want to uh, you know oscillate your good beats and bad beats and you you know the the action so the pace of action matters so you want to have like um you want to have all the tools in front of you to be able to change up the pace right is it time for a really hard battle is it time for negotiation you can steer the game towards the way you think it'll be fun also based on the things that the players do that surprise you so the prep part is filling out your your tray your 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 work tray that you've got in front of you when you're getting ready to game and making sure you have all the components in front of you on your tray that you're going to need during the game to tell a cohesive fun story entertain the players keep the pacing at the right level up and down stay on time um you know and 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 react to the situation let the situation react to the way the characters interact with it and that's really the prep part right and if you're too hard about uh trying to prep things a certain way and trying to prep you know here's this combat encounter and here's all the things like in the fourth edition era we used to set up these like battle arenas and the battle arena would have like environmental effects and it would have like terrain effects and it would have like high ground areas and it would have all sorts of you know, cover you had to worry about cover and and it reminded me of like gears of war right if you ever played gears of war uh, one of the funny things in Gears of War is like you would walk, you would turn a corner and you look and be like, well, a fight's going to happen here because they have all this cover all over and there's that thing over there. And there's like you can immediately tell when you're going to get to a fight because the room was built for the fight. You know, we don't have to do that in D&D. The room doesn't have to be built for a fight. Now, sometimes you do boss battles, you know, like the menagerie, stuff like that you do. But but generally anyway, that's my rant. Don't worry too much about trying to define your encounter types before the game begins. Uh, let the encounters fit what happens during the game and build situations and react to those. Uh, what else do we need? Treasure. So we'll go grab some relics. I always love relics. Uh, I think I got a links thing here. And go to relics. Uh, plain dwarven food that casts clairvoyance. Grimy or a ghoulish idol that casts guiding bolt. Uh, Astral fork that casts inflict wounds. Uh, the blinking shadow lamp. That's kind of cool. Grab that one. Um, now, probably he has a hoard. So it's probably worth... Um, uh, whoops. Let's go to Donjon. My, my place for random treasure is Donjon. Uh, we go to treasure. And uh, I can't see it all. This stuff looks good. I'm not doing an instrument of the bards. Those things are so powerful. And we don't have any bards anyway. Um, gloves of Thievery. Are Gloves of Thievery good for uh, characters that aren't rogues? Whoops. Um, that's not bad. The gloves of Thievery would be a good one because we don't have any rogues. So I think we'll, yeah, we'll grab this stuff. That looks like a good amount of treasure. Stick that down in our treasure list. And it has one permanent magic item in it, but not a crazy one. Um, and we'll do one more relic. Oh, Dwarven Forge. Uh, find traps this guy self, Death Ward. Ancient elemental orb that casts Death Ward. Pristine vampiric mask that casts cloud cloud kill. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I'm digging that. Caster level ten, cast level five. DC fifteen. Cool. All right, so we got some nice treasure in there. So, how do I feel about this game? I feel pretty good about it. Uh, I think again, I've built the situation out. Um, oh, we should look at the Menagerie map because uh, I might have to number the map because I was just talking about that. Um, and uh, the Millennium Falcon map. And I think, yeah, so in uh, when I did this, I actually said like, you know, massive hobgoblin statues, goblins by murder holes, uh, horrific dining hall, treasure vault, the Menagerie, which is down here, the old Dakani Library hallway, right? Um, the that's the treasure vault where he's got his stuff. Uh, Kron's quarters. Um, 
I think that works. Uh, Bugbear Barracks. Um, that all that all plays out. So I think we're I think we're good there. Um, yeah, I've got my location all set. Cool. So, as I always do, I like to say, well, how do I feel about this game? Do I feel prepared? And the answer is yes, I think I'm ready. I got what I need. Uh, I've got some cool stuff. I really like the Balhaneth door. I'll have to think more about how that's going to play out. Of course, I tend not to, and then I'll just play it out as it goes. Like, what's the transition between them walking through their happy place and the Balhaneth attacking them? Like, how does that work? Let's let's just let's do another little look at the Balhaneth. Balhaneth, I think, is from is that Morden Canaan's? I think that's a Morden Canaan's monster, right? Yeah, Morden Canaan's Tome of Foes. Um, let's let's take a look. Uh, limited form of telepathy, Balhaneth can sense the uh, desires of other creatures, identify images and places and where it expects. The Balhaneth then warps reality around it, remaking the environment so that it matches the appearance of the place. Never quite get all the details right, and plenty of incongruities give away the deception, but the imitation is good enough. When does it actually like kick their ass, though? Uh, Balhanna thrives on fear and despair, taking pleasure in the horror of its victims. It terrorizes its prey, mind reality warping powers to mask its presence until it can snatch the target. It then teleports away to feed on its victims. Uh, got it. Oh, so it's really nasty. Right? It could grab someone and zip off with them. Um. Uh, lair actions are nasty. Can become invisible, like other people can't see it. Um, yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Does the Belhanneth need a lair? So when they when they when they they go around and they sort of like head into its area, and then it's got sort of a lair. Uh, it probably needs its own. Um, it probably needs its own sort of weird lair that sort of exists deep in the bowels of Kyber, right? Um, that's its place. So let's go to all maps and let's grab a. I'm gonna I'm gonna scroll down. I I have a tendency of picking like the same maps. I'm gonna drop down into the Dyson maps, pretty far. Uh, that one's not bad. That one's kind of cool. Um, the Hall of Patrons. Uh, yeah, I think this will work. Uh, open link in the window. Save image to desktop. We'll go here and we will go to Summer Morning and Locations and we'll create a new one called Balhaneth Lair. Choose an image, small dungeon. If only there were a product focused on monster layers. Yeah, someday somebody will do something about that. I don't know when. Probably some awesome people. Some awesome people are going to do. Maybe maybe even make them, I don't know. You don't want just mundane layers, right? You want something, I don't know, great, great layers or awesome layers. I don't know. I'm not, I can't find the right word. I think you nailed it, Evil John. Fabulous layers. Fabulous layers. That's a... Somebody ought to write something like that. Um, so there's our Balhaneth layer. Cool. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to use that map or not. We'll see. You know, got to see how it plays out. Uh, so I don't want that anymore. I'm just closing windows here. So I think we are good. Uh, I've got what I am looking for. Uh, I got all my prep is set. I know what we're doing. I know where the game is starting. Uh, so I think we're all set. 
So uh, we will we will call it a day. I want to thank all of the fine folks for hanging out in Twitch chat today. Special thanks to, of course, to Evil John for helping keep things keep things rolling. And uh, we will be back next week uh, and find out how things went in the menagerie. And uh, until then, uh, have a great week and uh, get out there and play some D&D. Thank you very much.